And we are back for part two of the Flames and Predators customer experience survey. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me today as we wrap up this Nashville Predators, Calgary Flames rebuild discussion and with with my two good friends, Brian Baston and Jeff Middleton of On The Forecheck. Flames Nation and a million other websites. But before we dive into that, make sure you are subscribed to Lockdown Flames wherever you're getting your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube as well. It's free. It's a great way to, you know, still get your Flames content through the summer. And of course, we are back to five episodes a week once uh, the season rolls around. So let us dive right into it. Oh, now it's time to talk about the core. Mm-hmm. Are we confident in, with how are is the current core and the prospect pool enough to build around? Is it is that it? I'm gonna say agree, and I feel a little strong, more strongly about that. I think you're, yeah. I mean, because, and I'm gonna say this for two reasons and two reasons only, and that's Roman Yossi and UC Saros. Um, you know, not just because Roman Yossi, obviously he's got five more years left on his deal. He's gotten better each season. It feels like over the last three years, um, he's a guy that I think is going to, is, you know, barring any health problems. I think he's going to be good for a long time. He's a guy, you know, we could very easily see, you know, talking about a one year deal at the end of his deal to bring him back, you know, just to see if he wants to keep going in five years. Uh, and then UC Saros, and it's not just UC Saros because they seem to be committed to him at least for next season, but there's, you know, Kevin Lankinen had a strong enough season. They gave him another chance. And I think he's just a, he's a pretty fine backup to be honest. And then there's Yaroslav Askarov who seems to be doing extremely well. Um, so there is that, um, the forwards, I feel better about the forward pool than I have in several years, just for the fact that we've seen these guys get NHL time, which I think has been a massive benefit for the Predators. Like Jeff said, I mean, you know, we're getting we've seen full almost full seasons from guys like Tomasino, uh, Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista, Yuso Parsonen. Um, you know, we've got guys that are a little bit older, like Tom, uh, Tommy Novak, who have come in and been excellent. Mark Jankowski, you know, older guys, AHL guys, but have come in and, and done well. And I think those will be guys that will be great for what this roster needs to be. I think they're going to not be a bottom dwelling team next season, but they're going to be close. But I think their forward group, I feel pretty excited about. Uh, I said before, defensively, it's not good. Um, you know, you've got your, your, your guys that are under the age of 30 that you're looking, leaning on are Carrier and Fabro, who are guys who should be, you know, what you're building the future of defense core. But then there's Jeremy Lazan um, on a contract I will never understand. Um, you know, and below that, there's not there's not much left. I mean, it's 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 a little bare. It's not and I, a good sign. So I mean, if, I'm going to say agree just for the fact that goaltending's taken care of. I think forwards mm-hmm. are in good a good spot, but defensively is just kind of awful. So I'm going to put agree. Just two out of the three. I'm going to say disagree. Uh, just because the goal allegedly is to get younger, and I feel like there there are just too many moving parts right now um, for this to be 
any sort of established core. I mean, you have Jacob Markstrom for another two years, and then Dustin Wolf is poised to take over, um, which is great. I think that that's going to be a wonderful transition there. I feel better about the uh, defensive group than I do really the forwards. I think that the defense is more established and we know what we're going to get with them. You know, Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Weger are really two fantastic defensemen. You have um, Oliver Shillington coming back and he had an absolute Wow, can't talk. Fantastic season two years ago. And Chris Tanev, you know, hopefully he's healthy and used the summer to rest up. He can still play really well. And he he's he holds the penalty kill together. Yeah, I think I think if the question is is if it's a good core for the rebuild, I don't for the flames, I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, I'd say that, you know, if Elias Lindholm ends up coming back and they don't spend an exorbitant amount of money on his contract, I'd say that they have a pretty good, you know, core of guys in that forward group. And even their defense group, I think is one of the best in the league. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's for a rebuild. I don't think I agree with that. Um, just because like you said, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of guys that are going to be older you know there's not a ton of spots for young guys to come in and fill holes which is you know what what a rebuild's about you have these guys that are ready to for nhl action and then you have to give them a spot on the roster for enough enough time for them to get you know acclimated um for the preds i'd say yeah i mean i think most of their most of their core right now outside of you know a roman yossi and uc saros like brian said is is uh you know as young players like you know, Philip Forsberg is in the forward group. Johansson and Duchesne are gone. You have Colton Sissons there. You have Yakov Trenin. But other than those guys, like I don't, I don't know if I could tell you a true like established member of that forward group that hasn't, you know, that's below the age or that's above the age of like twenty six or whatever. Like they're, you know, they have some guys that are young and filling up the top roster spots, and that's important in this kind of rebuild towards the top world that we live in. I have a question for you, Jeff, and I can't believe I haven't asked you this yet this offseason. But yes, does I think Roman Yossi and UC Saros will be, you know, immediate plans in the next two years and be something that you could build around if things get turned around. What do you think about Philip Forsberg, though? Do you think that he's around by the time this team is competitive again? I think so. I mean, I think part of it's part of it's off ice, right? Like, I think, you know, he has a life here. He has, you know, a, a wife that does you know, songwriting and country music and, and all this stuff, but also, you know, the fact that he's, he's been here, he's, he's signed, you know, an eight year deal or however long for, you know, like it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, you know, he's, he has made it clear that he wants to be here through this retool, rebuild, reset, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think that's important. I think that, you know, I don't think that goes for granted, with Barry Trotz, you know, I think he's a guy that's kind of all about that. And I, I think Philip Forsberg plays a style of game where, you know, he's a power forward. He's not going to blow by you with his speed. He's not, you know, he's not risking a ton with his play style. I think that he's, you know, you're not going to see him in the next four years be completely blown out or whatever. And he's still, was he 26, 27? Like 28. He's, oh, he's okay. 28. He's, he's in the middle of his prime years. So, you know, as much as 
as much as it's an interesting question, I feel like there's a lot of factors pointing towards him being around when they're competitive. I think the one question that you would you have to ask kind of stemming from that is whether or not his injury history is going to play a part in kind of what he does down the road. Like, is mm-hmm. he, if he's injured for the next four years, I think we have a serious conversation about whether he not, whether or not he's on this team, because right. there are going to be people or, you know, there's going to be general managers and teams that, that want his services, you know, injured or not. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think his injuries would be the biggest, I, I wouldn't doubt if he was on this team for the rest of his contract, but I think, you know, if we're four or five years down the line and he's been injured, for three, four, for all of those years, or like even like a quarter or three quarters of them, you know, I think there's a serious question to be asked about, you know, whether or not his future on this team is, is through the rest of his NHL career or not. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fair. I would say, uh, I mean, Philip Forsberg, if you would love to come to Calgary, (laughs) don't worry about it. Thank you everyone for hanging out with me today here on locked on flames. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting from everything from money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. Uh, just bet Shohei Otani, usually the over on Garrett Cole strikeouts, and you got yourself a nice, you know, few bucks there. On an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. That's one of my favorite parts about the app. So there is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Can this team win their division in the next three years? Uh, disagree. I, I, I have some faith in what, like, I have some faith in the in some of the prospects. And I think that, again, goaltending can mask a lot of things, at least as Predators fans have seen for the last three years. But they're not going to be competitive, you know, with the Colorados, like I like Minnesota, I think is going to be on top of the central for the next two to three seasons. Uh, there's just, there's not a ton of, I don't have a ton of faith. Dallas just getting better. It seems like, you know, there's Colorado, Dallas, that's where Duchesne and Johansson went, you know, Minnesota has gotten better. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's going to be really difficult. I don't think there that St. Louis is going to be necessarily a, a threat anytime soon, but in Chicago, Chicago, I was going to say Chicago, but that's so the I big mean, one. It's it's I don't know that I think Nashville is set up to be I feel like they can probably make it into the playoffs as a, you know, maybe not even a wild card, maybe finish third in the division. I think they could have that type of of talent by then, by three years from now to do that. But they're not going to be contending. You know, it's not going to be a a race in the final week to see if Nashville wins the central outright in the regular season. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Flames. uh... It's very unlikely, I would say. I think that, you know, obviously Vegas is right there, Edmonton, and you have the Kraken getting better. The Pacific Division is noted as, you know, kind of the weakest division in the league. But 
because so many of them have just bottomed out, you know, the ducks, the sharks, um, they've even the Kings kind of, they did a little rebuild retool thing. They're getting more competitive slowly. Mm -hmm. I still can't believe that they had 104 points last season. That's still that every time I see it, that blows my mind that they they finished that well. So I'll, I, I think it would take a lot of things to go wrong or right. yeah I, I mean i think i think the one thing that the flames have going for them is that the pacific division is can fluctuate every year mm-hmm. like i think you know i don't think they're going to be good enough to win the division on paper but if they have some career years and some guys on some other teams that are big pieces of those don't have the grady that those you know, very good years. Like, I think, I think there's a a shot that they could be in contention for it, but, you know, just kind of speaking from an on paper point of view, I think, I think the Kings are going to be the the top of this division, the Kings and the Knights. I I think they're going to be the top of this division for years to come. Um, I think, you know, like I said, Seattle, Seattle's going to be good. Um, You know, I could see Anaheim working their way into the conversation by year three, but not, you know, not, I don't think they're going to get up there for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the centrals, the central is going to be the hardest one. I, you know, the, the Preds, even with this young core, unless they have, unless their players have years that they had in, in 2021, 22, where, you know, Philip Forsberg scoring 40 goals, you know, Luke Evangelista scoring 40 goals. Like, the, like the, I just, I just, I, I just don't see it. Or Philip Tomasino scores 40 goals. Like, I just don't, I just don't yeah. see it happening. You know, you have, everybody's getting better around them and, you know, they've taken steps to kind of, keep up with that but they're just you know they're a couple steps behind as of now i'm surprised you said that you think that the predators the central is going to be harder for a team to win like for nashville to win in the central than than calgary in the pacific i mean i mean i would say if you don't count like don't take into account the teams themselves but just the division i would have told you it'd be harder to win in the pacific honestly i think seattle's gonna be good pretty very very good i just i just i have a hard time like you know, we've seen how good the central division is and it's, you know, you point, I think Minnesota is going to be the top of that for, you know, years. They're still, they're, you know, they're a top three team in, in the division, like, or at least close to it pretty consistently. And they still have a top five prospect pool in the entire league. Like yeah. these guys that, you know, I think the top of the Pacific will not be as good as the top of the central. I think that's part of where that hmm. comes from. Um, may, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I'm not, not I'm, maybe I'm not, I'm not afraid to be wrong there, but it's just, I, I think just how much this, this, these two divisions, especially the Pacific kind of moves up and down and, and, you know, there's no really telling. I, I think like the, I mean, they're like Jess said. The the Pacific is considered the worst division in in the West, and you know, arguably the NHL. So I, it's just you know, it's it's a lot of. I think it's a lot of moving parts, and I think it, it, a lot of it depends on guys getting hot at the right time. I think you know, I think if Dustin Wolf gets hot at the right time, and they have these young guys that have played a year or two by year three. I mean, who knows? Right. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. So let's see. What is the biggest question here on August 1st when this episode airs? 
Huh. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I don't think there's going to be much roster changes. I, I mean, I think they may sign some more AHL guys, but I think they may be even set there. Um, which, speaking of AHL, I know I've said this in the past, but I think right now Nashville, their biggest decision or non-decision, depending on how it works out, is, you know, who is going to coach the Milwaukee Admirals if Carl Taylor is not the head coach next season? Um, and, you know, Carl Taylor was, you know, one of the best, if not the best coach in the AHL for the past two seasons. Uh, his coaching staff has done a tremendous job. I mean, we talk a lot about how Nashville had so many injury problems last year, but, you know, they had to take players from somewhere. So, you know, the injury problems the Preds had turned into a basic, you know, nightmare for the AHL because they were pulling in, you know, they didn't have an EC ECHL affiliate. They were pulling in, getting lots of guys on ATOs, and they still managed to get into the playoffs and do pretty well, considering all things considered. So Carl Taylor was one of the top three guys considered for the job. And I think that, you know, I understand why they would have gone with Brunette. I think that they might have made that decision with the expectation that Carl Taylor would be hired somewhere. Now, I'm very surprised he hasn't been picked up yet. I think he was rumored to go speak about with like Dallas to be on their staff, I believe it was, but that was a month ago or so and haven't heard anything. So, I mean, it's great if they think that they're going to have Carl Taylor there, but I don't think there's going to be any, a more important time for Nashville in, uh, in Milwaukee than maybe these next two years. So if Carl Taylor does leave, because I don't think he, he's going to sit around for three years and wait to see if the predators job opens again. Um, they've got to figure out who they're going to put in charge of development because, you know, this is the the most confident I felt in Nashville's development, you know, especially on forwards uh, in some time. And I think it's going to be really, really important. So yeah, it's not a predator's answer, but it's going to be Carl Taylor. That's and especially right now, like you want your development I mean, always to kind of be at a strong point, but you really want someone that is well suited for that position to be coaching these guys. Oh, for the Flames, when? When when is anything going to happen? Who's moving? When? Who, what, when, where, why? That's really what it feels like. What happens at the trade deadline if none of these guys have been moved? What do we do? It just feels like a bunch of hypotheticals because there's just no answers. My my answer to the Preds would have been the same as Brian's. I think it would have been the same for the Flames. I think, you know, I would have gone a little bit more specific with the Flames and, you know, what is the future for Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund? Because those are two guys that they wanted to bring back long-term and, or well, I guess for Backlund, not long, long-term, but, you know, mm -hmm. a few a few years. But, uh, you know, they're, they're guys that they wanted to have stuck around. They wanted Backlund to be a captain and or be the captain. And we just haven't heard anything. You know, it's been it's been rumor after rumor after rumor, and there's nothing there's nothing happening right now. Um, it just seems like all of the news is surrounding players that are not those names. Um, we know that Hannafin wants out. We don't know, you know, kind of what that deal is, but that's not the concern. The concern is what is the future for these guys, and what's the future for the for the lineup if these guys decide not to come back. We're we'll be waiting. We'll be here. Don't worry. <laughs> Craig, we got all summer. It's already August, but yep. what's been the biggest head scratcher this off season? At the risk of repeating myself, I think the way the Duchesne um, move was handled. Again, I mean, it's it's just if you're going to buy, if buying out is like the only option you have, like why not just wait one more year and see? Because it's get you know, it's just there's a ton of 
there's a ton of things. I mean, if you look at the next two years, what Nashville is on the books. So they've got four players with dead money for the next two years. They have retained salary on Ryan Johansson and Matias Ekholm, which Matias Ekholm is just a quarter of a million dollars. So it's not a big deal. But then you also have to remember that the other two of, of, uh, David Poyle's big center acquisitions over the last five years, Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris are also getting paid over the next two years. So um, they're going to be paying to those four players uh, 8.7 million next season. Um, 11. Oh, uh, yeah. 11, seven uh, the season after that. And then uh, they will be at 9 million a year after that. So, I, I just I understand that like they were going to get a break this next season with Duchesne and they're going to have to pay him his full deal. But man, they've really put themselves in a hard spot because then there's also the big the big, you know, elephant in the room is how much longer are, are, is, is uh, Shea Weber going to put off his retirement. And unless something changes, which I don't know how they're going to make that argument now, I think that if they were going to make the whole argument about getting rid of the old the, the, the cap uh, penalty from those contracts, Poyle would have been the one to do it mm-hmm. to push for that um but now you know now looking at it i believe like let's see i'm trying to think i think in the next he's got what three years left on the deal and so if he retires let me see i've, I've got this numbers here somewhere if he retired in yeah because like again like you know nobody else has to eat much of that deal but you know he could be on the books and for nashville until 2030 because of the new rules where you know if he retires a year before the end of his contract He's on Nashville's books for twenty-four million dollars, you know, and that's that's fun times, right? Fun times. And so, like, I know a lot of people are saying, like, there's no way that they're going to enforce that on Nashville, or Shea Weber is going to continue to to push, you know, or is going to continue to take the deals that he's on and just, you know, do whatever it is he's doing out there. But I mean, he's seven seven point eight million dollars. He's sitting on Arizona to get him above the the salary floor. I mean, it's pay, basically it's, because of the new rule, they're not going to make them pay 24 million in one year, but it's going to be basically $7.8 million in that case until that balance is due up. So, I mean, again, like the, if you look at that, like the combination of those th- salaries, I mean, you're looking anywhere from, from 15 to $22 million to maybe even more over the next three years. And so the, because of this, you know, the, jo- the Duchesne and Johansson situations, not to mention still buying out Kyle Turris, is that you're almost depriving yourself to roster spots from the from the jump. And these I know you want to, you know, you want to say that you're going to replace these guys all with with younger players, cheaper players. But it sure would be nice to have maybe just one of those, you know, one of those hits off the books. But unfortunately, they're, they're going to be paying a lot of money to guys who aren't Nashville Predators over the next three years. And like we mentioned earlier, with the cap the way that it is, you can't afford to be eating double digit mm-hmm. cap, dead cap space. Yeah. For the Flames, oh gosh, I guess the biggest head scratcher would be, I guess, Backland and Lindholm's kind of lack of answers at this point for me I think at this point in the summer I would have expected at least an answer from one of them any yeah anything any yeah (laughs) truly just some sort of uh signs of interest in hockey other than you know I I love the baby pictures love the family pictures but like we got a business to run here I got a podcast we we gotta gotta talk about something (laughs) right but yeah no I guess just kind of I don't know if it's indecisiveness but the last I heard Lindholm still hadn't made a decision yeah I think that was it was either that or I think the kind of the the one that was the most confusing to me was not committing to a, a backup goaltender 
Yeah. I think that one was, you know, and I get, I, I, you know, I, I understand why, you know, Wolf, they want Wolf to kind of be in the AHL. I think it's because he's uh, waiver exempt for, on his contract at, um, for this year or um, something yeah. specific in the, in the, you know, the fine print. Um, but I think that part to me was like, really? Like you see this guy, he's the best goalie in the AHL. He wins the, you know, he's the MVP of the AHL. He wins the best goalie award in the AHL. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's like Kobe Bryant with his NBA trophies. He's got like the, <laughs> he's got the picture with all with his arms out, outspread and he's just they're They're all the way out there. And it's just a bunch of them. Like that's, that's Dustin Wolf from last year. And part of me is like, I understand why, but why would you, after last season, why would you deprive yourself of a goalie that has made himself He's proven to be one of the top young goaltenders, if not the top young goaltender in the entire NHL, the entire league. Like you struggled last year. Goaltending was arguably your biggest problem last year, you know, and, and, you know, you're not getting rid of Jacob Marsham, but Dan Vladar, he's, he's a backup goalie. Like he's a team will want him. He's, he's a serviceable goaltender. I like, I have no, I don't think Dan Vladar is a bad goalie. But you have a guy who's won 50 plus games in the AHL last year, and you're not gonna, you know, try him out for no because he's waiver exempt. I don't, I don't get that. And I, I haven't since that report came out. I was like, really? I, I just that has probably been the biggest one for me. Thank you, everyone, for hanging around with us as we uh, wrap up part two of this analysis of. <laughs> the predators and how they're kind of steps ahead of the flames in terms of their rebuild. And I hope that you all are enjoying it. Yeah, no, I, I can't. There's so much to unpack with the Calgary flames. Alrighty. Speaking of goaltending, describe the goaltending in one word. Enviable. I think Nashville has a wonderful like setup that. at goaltender. I like that. I think that there's not many teams. You guys, you know, you look and, you know, all, all respect to, to Linus Ilmark, who, who won the Vesna. You don't see him going, putting up those types of numbers for two more years. Uh, Sorokin, I could very well see that. Um, Hellebuck, depending on where he goes and what he's doing, but I think Winnipeg's a team that's going to be pretty bad in the next couple of years, Pretty, you know, very, probably sooner rather than later. But then you've got UC Saros, a guy that has continued to to you know carry people through, carry the Predators through these seasons. Took over basically flawlessly from Pecorine. Uh, all those doubts of maybe him being able to handle the the load were just completely not not non factor. I mean, he's been tremendous. Never, you know, uh, since what I think since his his first like full season as a backup in the NHL, he's never had a save percentage under uh ninety one and a half percent. I mean, just it's he's. He should have been a Vesna finalist last year. He's going to continue to be a Vesna finalist. He's still young compared to a lot of his peers. And then you've he's got Yaroslav. He's going to make a boatload of money. And he's going to make a whole boatload of money. Um, so, yeah, enviable. Because, what, they've got two years left on Saros, who's getting $5 million right now. So, I mean, that's that's chump change. You're, uh, you know, Askarov is, uh, has two more years left of his ELC, which is gives you plenty of time to let him play in the ahl this season somewhat maybe get him five or six games yeah. um and then lankinen's lankinen's fine he's he's a backup goaltender i mean i, I mean it's just i think this is the situation if you're going to do this rebuild like having a plan and goal 
and a, a you know a current plan because you never you know Soros could be a guy like Rene who plays for another seven years. So who knows? But I think they've got a lot of. I'm glad they didn't get rid of either of those players. Um, unless they were going to be able to go and snag like a top five pick or something, just for the fact that I think they're set up well for success with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the perfect word. And just any team would love to have UC Saros. Um, for the Flames, I'm going to go with unpredictable. There, There is truly no way to predict and really measure goaltending like expectations um i guess really other than like goals above expected but like that's that's not really your saves above whatever but Mm -hmm. to me jacob markstrom is hit or miss or or he's just going to do what he did last year and just give us nightmare after nightmare do a slip and slide through the neutral zone because he Mm -hmm. wants to leave his crease, uh, play the puck. Like it's just a very confusing situation because I know that he was hard on himself. I'm sure like there were so many factors from, you know, him being an expectant father to the situation in the flames locker room. Like what are, what are we getting? We don't know. What are we getting with Vladar and what are we doing with Wolf? Yeah, I think I think for the Preds, my my word would be deep and my word for the Flames would just be recovery. Because one, as Brian talked about, the, the Preds are the Preds have it set up. They got they got what they need right now. You know, UC Saros is cheap, Kevin Lankinen is good enough, and Yaroslav Askarov is the future. Um and for the Flames they need a big bounce back this year. Like they need, they need it to be better. And that's kind of, you know, what I, I think you, a lot of it's, it's easy to miss that mm-hmm. because it's, you know, goaltending is a, a voodoo. Like it's just magic. You don't know what's going to happen. You that's unpredictable, but you know, they, it was awful last year. And Jacob Markstrom did get better. I mean, he had some good performances towards the end of the year, but it, it can't late. happen like that. Yeah, it's too late at that point. You know, he was he was lucky that they were fighting for a playoff spot at that point because he he was the reason that they weren't earlier, and he knew that. Like I think, like you said, he he was he was very hard on himself, which you know, respect to him for that. But yeah, yeah recovery is probably the best thing that I can think of for for them. Now, I mean, I guess we technically kind of just answered this, but how big of a concern is the goaltending? Can I can I answer for both teams? Yeah. Okay, Nashville, it's not. Um, <laughs> Calgary. So, but here's if I, I want to break this down because I've, th- I've thought a lot about Calgary's situation, and so there's a lot of similarities in that Markstrom is one year out of having, you know, after having a really fantastic year a couple years back, and I think that he's a play. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be what we saw this year, um, and you know, you could you could look at Lankin and Vladar, you know, and see like which one is going to be. A, I mean. Lankinen had an incredible season compared to, uh, you know, Vladar, but it, it's like you have a veteran who you think is going to be a top five, top 10 goaltender in NHL. That's the ex- expectation. Then you've got a backup who's a serviceable backup. Sure. And then you come down to the two best goaltenders in the AHL with Askarov and Wolf. And I think Wolf deserved every single award he got this season. But the difference to me is his he's only got one year left on his deal. So if you are Calgary, you've got one year of this guy at 800000 or whatever it is. 
and you don't you're not married to Vladar really you're not like there's no reason really to keep him around or like to do that so why not get put him in there get Wolf in there and have him play 20 25 games as the backup see if he can handle it you're going to be paying a lot of money next season I think for for a guy like Wolf even if he plays you know I would say 80 percent of his games in the AHL you're still going to be giving him a good chunk of money and I don't think that he's going to step in and do come into Calgary next season and you know, put on a performance worthy of him getting a whole lot of money anyway, like more money than what he would get, you know, if he just stuck in his stuck in the AHL, you know, and you've got this guy cheap. You have a chance that this team is not going to be relying on Wolf to be getting him into the playoffs next season. So mm-hmm. why not give him that? Askarov, on the other hand, they've got two years left. Soros has two years left. Let Askarov get more North American time in the AHL get him in Milwaukee, get him a few more games in last season. But then you've got the, the, the final year, you know, in two seasons from now where it's Saros and Askarov, both on the last year's of their deal. Put them both. There's your tandem in the NHL and you go from there. Uh, you know, Calgary just doesn't have that time with, with Wolf because he's going he's gonna to cost money to resign. Uh, you know, he's a guy who I mean, I've watched him a lot in the NHL he this season. Everybody. He's going to be an NHL goaltender for a while. And uh, I don't think that, you know, he's got a, too much hype coming up for, for him because of, you know, all his awards. He's, he's the real deal. And uh, I think that they would be a lot better off to not waste a year just in case Vladar is kind of good. And like put Wolf out there, put people in the seats and put him out there because exactly. he's an exciting goaltender. He's a great prospect. Put him out there. 100% agree. Um, all righty. What are we looking forward to the most? Some positivity. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's say I'll say there's three things. I'm very excited to see what the brunette, Andrew Brunette system looks like. I know that we may not know what that looks like until like maybe the last quarter of the season at this, at this year. And you know, it's not going to be the personnel he wants. So who knows, but I want to see if there's difference. I want to see if this team becomes less of a hard checking, um, you know, for checking team Mm -hmm. who is relying on a lot of hitting and size. And, you know, are they going to be a speed team? Because I think Nashville has a lot of players that would fit that. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, just, more time a lot of these young guys i think that you know seeing guys like um you know alexander carrier who i think is going to be i think he has turned around to be he can be a first pair defenseman you know if things go well for him and i think he's been trending in the right direction you know i want to see tom Massino and evangelista cody glass i think these guys are going to be only going to get better with each year and so watching the young guys is going to be super fun and you know, last year we had this pretty much all of last season where it was a whole lot of young guys. So it was fun, but it's low expectations, just to be honest, because, you know, there's all this pressure. There was all this, you know, no matter what, how many people were saying Nashville's not going to succeed, they're going to need to go ahead and, you know, hit the reset button. You know, they were still good enough team to be, you know, finish a point back from Calgary and just what a handful of points out of the playoffs. So, you know, it's, yeah, that's. I don't think that's going to be an issue now. I think if they may start making a run towards the playoffs and don't make it, it's going to be more about like, oh, people were excited because it's like, are these guys actually going to pull this off and sneak in on their, for, you know, in a year that's not been great, uh, as opposed to I cannot believe they just missed the playoffs. And so I think it's going to be a lot, lot more fun. I think there's going to be a lot of new faces. You know, you're going to see who on this team becomes the faces of the team for the fans and. I don't know. It's just it's nice to see a, a full restart and a, and a rebuild, um, you know, and you still got a handful of your, you know, top five in their position players, you know, hanging around. So 
yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and you know, I think Nashville is is a fun team, uh, regardless of really if it's the playoffs or a regular season game. The fans make Bridgestone Arena a fantastic place to watch a hockey game. For the Flames, oh, I'm looking forward to this fresh start. There is nothing this team needed more than last season to just end. It could have ended in February, even January, and that would have been fine. They needed to get out of their own heads, get out of their own way, and really sit with themselves and really work just do all the mental work that they had to do to never crawl into that spot ever again. And I think a lot of that wasn't going to happen until the end of the season when you, you had to fire Daryl Sutter. You had to, there was no way you were going to have a team if you, you kept him. So I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to see what Ryan Huska does. And I think, Really, I'm excited for uh, Jonathan Huberto to hopefully have a bounce back year. And I'm really looking forward to Jacob Pelletier's hopefully full season in the NHL. Yeah, my two answers were going to be Jonathan Huberto and Jacob Pelletier. I, uh, more, more Jacob Pelletier, I think, now that I think about it, just because he went through so much crap last year, just on and off the ice, just with, with Sutter and all that. Like, I, I really want him to just come out and just – light the the league on fire i would i would love nothing more than that um just because he seems like a great kid and and you know i think part of it's also you know huberto has kind of taken him under his wing same thing he did to you know he did that to matt coronado too at the end of the year when coronado came up and played a game but um yeah i think those two are going to be the two to two to watch um and obviously the the goaltending stuff but that's more of like a an issue that needs to be fixed. And I'm more like, I trust these two to bounce back and really kind of set the standard for what the flames forwards needs to be. Definitely. And to close it out, who do you hope proves you wrong? Sorry. I want Jeff to answer this one first. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, you know who I hope proves me, hope proves me wrong for the Preds. I hope Luke Shen proves me wrong. Uh, I, I, I do like I seriously do I think I think he would be yeah. I'm not gonna say he'd be like one of the most pivotal I don't think him being great would be the whether or not the Preds make it into the playoffs or not um, or you know how I don't think he's like a super influential player but you know I would I would very much like if they if they signed him to to the deal that they did and and he came out and you know proved himself to be a three million dollar player I think you know. I'd be all right with that. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Uh, I would, I would love nothing more than that for him to kind of be the, you know, stay at home. I'm going to beat the crap out of you defenseman and him not be like a super black hole in the defensive or offensive zones. Um, I'm trying to think for the flames. Cause I don't want, I mean, there's not a ton of guys that can really, you know, prove me wrong after last year. I think, you know, <laughs> they did that. I, yeah, like they, you know, they they all underperformed, and I'm expecting most of them to bounce back. I think he'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like I thought, I thought, I don't think last year was his best year. I thought he had some moments where he was awful, but I didn't really think that he was. You know, he's not in the sense that proved me wrong. I, I you know, I don't think that he would 
prove me wrong necessarily. He'd just kind of be a, I consider him a bounce back candidate. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, there's not a ton of guys that I like really doubt on this team. It's more like, can they bounce back instead of will they prove me wrong? Um, I guess Dan Vladar, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like if he comes out and lights the world on lights the world on fire, then by all means, I guess that's yeah, that, well, that would be my answer, I guess. We'll revisit the tape when that happens. <laughs> I guess for me, I hope it's Craig Conroy. I hope he does. There you go. Okay, I like that I, one. I hope he comes in guns ablazing, does something, because I, I'm getting tired. And I'm sure some of the players are like, they don't know what this roster might look like. They don't know if it's even going to look like that by the deadline. You know, what... What are you putting out there that's any different from last year that's going to make you a playoff team? Or they want to be competitors. They want to, they want to be contenders. What are you doing to make yourself a contender? Because you haven't done anything besides trade your top goal scorer from last year. So, Yeah, well, I think for me it's going to be less a player on the team because, again, you can get the roster. There's not – you know, you could say somebody and joke around like I, I obviously left low hanging fruit to you with Shen. Uh, I don't care. I don't care that much about Shen just because I, I don't think. No, I mean, I just, but, yeah. but I, you know, but it's I fun. It's, That's, yeah. I, the, uh, the player I want to prove me wrong is not a predator anymore. And that's going to be Matt Duchesne because I agree. With I that. think he's going to put up incredible numbers next season, whether he was on or he's going to put up good numbers with, if he was with Nashville. But I think he's going to really, really thrive. Um, you know, now and and I don't know, like it's going to hurt because, you know, he was the white whale for Poyle for so long. And I would argue that the Matt Duchesne experiment has gone extremely well for Nashville. I would um, also agree with that. outside of one season. But I mean, he's he's got a ton of Nashville records now, you know, and I don't. I don't agree or believe in any of the like culture issue things that have been bandied about about him. Um, just because I've seen him in the locker room, I've seen him taking, you know, taking uh, young players under his wing, sp- spending time with them, you know, on on morning skate. So yeah, I mean, I hope he proves me wrong, I guess, and doesn't have that great of a year, which feels really mean to say, but I think it would make me I'm feel better about. It. Yeah, I know you are, uh, but I mean, you're going to be paying him a lot of his money anyways over the next few years like just they could have done you know just could hold on to him one more year and i don't know i hope he proves me wrong but i just i don't see him not thriving in dallas he was exactly right when he said it's he's not used to being on these teams like this you know contending teams and he's right there's not a lie said by that man like dallas is in a position that nashville has not been since maybe the first year that duchene came in so yeah that's who i think i hope proves me wrong i guess I hope Philip Tomasino proves a bunch of people wrong this year. <laughs> yes, I can understand that too. <laughs> well, I, that does it for us today on uh, Lockdown Flames. And uh, where can everyone find your work, Brian? Uh, on the four check there. I'm an editor, writer, um, and game day coverage is, of course, when that starts back up. Um, Renegades of Puck, another thing that uh, Jeff and I are in, are part of, and we do those every, during the season, every night after every game. Those those videos get posted and summaries uh, with a uh, with Charlie Sonier. So make sure you guys check out on those on on YouTube. And then another thing that again, 
Jeff and I are both part of is uh, the Chase Thomas podcast where we do a uh, the Preds Power Hour, which we're gonna we're we're deep into off season mode. We just uh, just rescheduled tonight's recording so I was like, I've got nothing, Chase. Nothing has happened <laughs> at all. Um, so you know, you can find us there. So yeah, that, I mean, for as far as podcasting, and then I'm gonna give it up to Jeff to list the 30 places he writes for. <laughs> yeah, we need a whole nother segment just for that. We'll <laughs> Film. Yeah, so it's 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 a fair amount. Yeah, uh, so like Brian said, Chase Thomas podcast, Renegades of Puck. Uh, we do those together. Um, I do Renegades of Puck a little fewer than a, l- a little less than than Brian. He does the he does the day to day stuff. I'll do the bigger bigger stuff. But um, and then for yeah, on the forecheck with Brian as well. Uh, just a writer there, you know, throwing in my thoughts every once in a while. And then uh, Flames Nation and uh, the Nation Network uh, work over there, um, you know, doing analysis, you know, numbers stuff, prospect stuff, kind of the whole thing. Uh, got some stuff in the works for uh, another site that I uh, still can't reveal totally yet. Uh, but uh, and then uh, do a little baseball work on the side at Pinstripe Alley writing about the Yankees. So fun times. Well, there you have it. Thank you both for uh, joining me today as, again, we just, we answer the questions that our general managers can't. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time, enjoy uh, the rest of your summer. Stay safe, stay hydrated, wear sunscreen, and turn your tweet notifications on for Elliot Friedman.